Hello. Welcome to Call It Like I See It, presented by Disruption Now. I'm James Keyes, and in this episode of Call It Like I See It, we're going to discuss this recent run of mass shootings in the United States and consider why this issue of mass shootings is one that the U.S. just does not seem to be able to get a handle on. And later on, we're going to take a look at some recent research about how even the, the sweat part of working up a sweat, not just the, the working the working up part, is very be- beneficial for your health in many ways. Joining me today is a man who knows that even if we are fed up, we got to keep our heads up. Tunde Ogonlana. Tunde, are you ready to show the people that Tunde cares if don't nobody else care? Of course, man. I always care. Always, always. <laughs> now, we're recording this on May 30th, 2022. And in this month, May of 2022, we've seen a string of highly publicized mass shooting events occur all across the United States. The first was on May 14th uh, when a white supremacist uh, shot up a supermarket in Buffalo, New York, killing 10 and wounding others. The second was the next day, May 15th, where a gunman entered and shot up a church having a majority Taiwanese American congregation, killing one and wounding others. And the third was May 24th, where a gunman entered elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, and killed 19 students and and two teachers and wounded others. So Tunde, to get us started, what are your thoughts on this run of these highly publicized public shootings? And what do you think the answer, it, which was, there was a question that was very poignant asked uh, by the Golden State Warriors and the, of the NBA's head coach, Steve Kerr, and he asked blatantly or, or asked flatly, when are we going to do something? Good question. Um, you know, what are my thoughts uh, this is hard and I'm, I'm a little bit tongue twisted here because I could say uh, I'm sad and, you know, or, or all the stuff that obviously I think most people felt when hearing this kind of news, especially when it's elementary school kids being killed. But um, I don't know. You know, it's a sad part. I'm getting kind of numb to it. That's what I kind of realize, honestly. Um, and I don't take mean that lightly or as a joke. I, I mean, of course, it's a terrible tragedy, but you know, it's not different than many other tragedies we've had, um, you know, in the last 20 years, let's call it, right, with with a lot of these things. I think it, it stings more when it's children. Um, but, you know, look, anyone that has to die because someone showed up and just started shooting everywhere, that's just a sad story. So, Well, let me, um, let me jump in real quick on that. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you on that in, in that not I, – I wouldn't classify how I feel as numb about it, but just there is – like, it's terrible – I process it, but I don't have any hope that we're going to do, we as a country are going to do something about this. Like I, I don't, no, I shouldn't say hope. I don't, I don't have any belief that that's going to happen. I hope that it's going to happen. But in terms of the way our, you know, we've talked about it before, our legislative branch doesn't work in the country. Like it just doesn't work flat out. And it just, you look at it and it's like, this is a tragedy and we're not going to be able to do anything about it, most likely. Or that's the way it appears. And so it's been encouraging to see people push back. But the thing that actually stands out to me about it is that these are attacks, by and large, on the public. Like, these are places that everyone goes. And these are not like, this isn't a beef. Like, somebody is like, oh, this person did this to me. I'm going to, you know, go shoot him and his whole crew or something like that. Like, this is like, I want to go randomly shoot people that I don't know because of X reason. And 
that is, I mean, like, like I said, that's not, and, and a, 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 everybody takes the risk if you walk out the house or even in your house of you're going to, you know, have a problem with somebody, you know, road rage or, you know, any step on somebody's shoe if you <laughs> go into to teenager stuff. But, you know, it's, it's really a different thing when it's like, okay, just being here, just being a human being and the public at large is at tack. And to me, that's what stands out is like, we generally, we, we specifically can say at this point that the public at large in the United States is under attack by random attackers for yeah, random well, reasons, right? Reasons that have nothing to do with, you know, things that you've done, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's uh, like Americans are under attack by Americans. That's the, that's the, the sad part. Um, this is, you know, I think we, I kind of, as I'm saying it, I'm thinking of the scenes we uh, thought we only saw overseas, you know, in third world countries where, you know, whether it's a suicide bomber or the way this is the way people kind of solve their grievances, right? Just being violent um, in public places and, and harming a bunch of innocent people. Um, that didn't used to happen here. Now it does. And, um, you know, well, part of did, my, but at least it was still, it wasn't still just totally random. Well, this is, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. This is now a new level of, of the way, not just these two shootings in the last week, the two I'm speaking of specifically that, um, made more national news coverage are the shooting in Buffalo and the shooting in Uvalde, Texas here in, um, you know, May going into June of, uh, of 2022. So, um, but what I'm saying is, yeah, 30 years ago, Americans weren't doing this. That's kind of my point, where 30 years ago in other parts of the world, people were still bombing innocent people. I mean, look at the IRA, Irish Republican Army, for example, that was doing this in, in England as a way to solve their grievances. So, um, But I would say this, too, as I hear myself saying that, right, a lot of times those are, as much as I don't agree with their tactics, they're organized groups that have some sort of grievance with said government. Um, this is really random acts of random people. And I think the difference for me, which is kind of like a, I don't, I don't have an answer. That doesn't mean there's not one. I just think it's yeah. a, comp, a series of complex kind of steps that probably need to be taken and probably some simple steps. But um, if you look at the Buffalo shooting and the shooting at the uh, elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, they're totally different. Totally different motivations. You know, the, the shooting in Buffalo, unfortunately, was a white supremacist kid who specifically targeted black people in a grocery store. Um, it appears the kid in Uvalde, Texas, uh, you know, he shot his grandmother before he got to that school. So this kid was having a different type of episode of just uh, craziness. And um, what, what hasn't been talked about as much, but has been talked about is in between these two shootings, which took place eight days apart, um, there were 14 mass shootings mass shooting being defined as where four people are injured or killed, not including the shooter. So that's kind of what makes this to me a little bit like, okay, I don't, I can't see the way out of this because I know all 14 of those shootings probably had different motivations as well. So part of it is I'm sure that everyone can talk about things like, you know, do you let an 18 year old buy 400 rounds of ammunition and long guns a week after his birthday. Um, and is there a way to slow things like that down? But also there's something about, you know, why are people choosing to behave this way when there's been guns in this country forever um, in terms of just this being their solution to things? And I think there's just a combination of all of these questions that need to be answered um, or we well, won't do anything about it and it'll keep happening. 
Well, I mean, but that's <laughs> that's, a, that's another. Uh, that's I mean, there there's a there is a part of this that is just the grieving part. You know, like again, like people have lost loved ones and all that, and then this, like I said, this is an attack on society. So there's a, a fear involved that you know people who are you know who remain are like, okay, well, this could be anyone. Um, but even you mentioned like the IRA thing, you know, like that still was like, they wanted something concrete. Now, again, whether you, you disagree with their tactics, you might even disagree with what they want, but they had an articulated purpose. Like, even if you say the guy in Buffalo with the great replacement theory stuff that they're talking about, that's like, that that's, that's like a, a, a conspiracy type of thing. Like that's like saying, oh, well you have to you know, turn back over the moon and give us back the moon if you, or else I'm going to shoot up a bunch of people. And it's like, well, hold on, man. Like it, you got to add, like what you want isn't even tethered to, to reality in a sense. And so the abstract nature, the abstract nature is I think what binds these. And I think what separates them in a way that it's not like the, even if you're talking about the, the, the bombings that we've seen in other places, those are still oftentimes trying to obt- obtain political ends or it's I have a problem with this person or this this uh, like, uh, you know, the, the pe- this village or something like that. And so I'm going to take that out. And so, again, I, I, that the part about it to me, the randomness makes it probably more difficult to solve from a big picture standpoint, as you indicated. There's a lot that goes into that. But. I think the question that Steve Kerr asked is a very poignant question because he doesn't ask, when are we going to solve this? And a lot of times when people don't have solutions for things, it paralyzes them it, or, you know, sometimes people deny, deny problems that, you know, that's, that's a, a, a brain trick. You deny a problem if you don't have a solution for it. We see that with, with climate change a lot, you know, like we're, it, that's the solution escapes people. So they deny it. Um, and that happens in your unconscious. That's not a conscious decision you make, but, I don't know that we should necessarily start our conversation here looking for solutions. I want to know, like Steve Kerr, when we're going to do something. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, there, this, this is a multifaceted problem for sure. And there is a lot to look at, a lot to try to understand better. But we can't look to try to hit a grand slam or to try to and, and sit back and wait until we have all of the answers solved on everything, we need to do something. And that's, to me, is, is the question. And that's where the pressure needs to be put on leadership and wherever else in our society we can put it. In order, we, we have to try. Like, we'll never solve the problem. We'll never walk a mile if we don't take a step. And so, to me, that is where we have to get to as quickly as possible following this, following the grieving, following the, the trying to understand at least to some degree what's happening or what happened. But- do, where are we going? We have to do something. All right. We'll take one step. Maybe it only addresses 20% of the problem, but that's 20% that's being unaddressed now because right now we're not doing anything. Yeah. I think part of the frustration, though, like when you're saying about addressing 20% of the problem, I think that's the problem. You know, that, that's the problem, too. Uh, the word problem here is, you know, what is the problem? I think that's that's the problem. Um, clearly well, the result no, the, the problem well, is well, people are me, buying guns and shooting people. I know. So let me keep going because <laughs> I, I get it. The problem is that people are killing people in ways that we haven't seen before. Like you're saying, unattached to anything. People well, no, just you're still overcomplicating it. You're still overcomplicating it. Like the problem is people are buying guns and shooting people, you know, like that's, that's okay. The so then, so then that's the problem, but then what do we do to address it? Right now yep. you have a country that has in its own constitution, the ability of people to bear arms. And then I'd say even deeper than anything legal is the culture of guns in the United States. So this is where 
this is the problem I see. No one's going to talk to each other. You know, various sides of this debate, because I say various because obviously you could say both sides, but I, don't, I think there's a huge spectrum of this stuff, um, meaning there are people on extremes. There's some people that want to ban all guns, and there's some people that want to have zero, zero regulation for, you know, a billionaire could go buy an F-16 and arm it if they want, because that's the way but they see, think. But, but isn't that but, part of the problem is that why are we even talking about those extremes? Like well, those extremes should I'm be just dismissed out of to, hand. to describe the fact okay. that they exist. No, no, no. I mean, so but, that's why I said the term spectrum, because yeah, I'm yeah. saying that in between there, there's a huge swath, uh, probably the majority of the population sits in between in that spectrum. But each, that spectrum is so complex um, because... You've got issues of, you know, people concerned about things like slippery slopes. If you do this, will it lead to that? And I know that people can find that in almost any type of legislation for most topics, but it seems that guns, because it has to do with a lot of things like for, let's be honest, right? For men, it has to do with a feeling of masculinity, power, control, safety. You know, there's a lot of things that guns represent for people. And I think that, um, you know, this is one where everybody needs to try and listen to the other side without prejudging them to come to a conclusion. So the people that feel like the Second Amendment is sacred and that any regulation on firearms is, a, is, is, is kind of, a, a, um, you know, is abhorrent, let's say. Um, but see, they need my to come point in a is, bit. is that we, yeah. need to, we need to stop listening to them. They need to be excluded from the conversation because nobody is saying, for example, okay, I'm, I have as much respect for pe- the Second Amendment as anyone. But well, hold on. I'm also you can't not come in- into a conversation saying I can't listen to people though, because that's also kind of not no, maybe you not do you, you the any- people who if if there are people out there right now who are trying to teach us about astronomy and they start from a place that the world is flat, then you do not listen to those people. You everybody's opinion is not going to be considered. People who are being reasonable, people who have measured thoughtful opinions. You can listen to all of them. But what I'm saying is that part of the problem here is that we try to give the extreme positions equal footing with measured and rational positions. And they're not, they shouldn't be. And so for example, and again, I have an example for this. The second amendment is there in the constitution. You know what else is in the constitution? Freedom of speech, the first amendment, but nobody is out here arguing that we should be able to yell fire in a movie theater. Okay. So I don't want to hear about how the second amendment means you can't make any restriction on guns because clearly that's not how it works. The First Amendment is there and people can make restrictions on certain types of speech that we as a society deem to be incredibly reckless. And so that's all it is. So don't come to me if if you're going to have a real conversation because that's not coming from a place that's not coming from a realistic place. And so that's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm willing to talk to anyone who's willing to come from a realistic place. But ultimately, what you're giving is all the reasons why we can't do anything. And I'm saying that at some point, you have to do something if you're going to address them. You, if you have to take a step, it doesn't have to be. You don't have to be. You, you 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 make some huge huge step. It doesn't have to be a leap, but it has to be a step. And the problem, a lot of times, I think that we have is we want to sit around and analyze every angle of the problem, and then we end up don't end up doing anything. And like, look, we have a problem here. Let's try something. And I'm getting it. That's that's you. You know, like let's try. You've you've used that terminology before. Let's try something. Let's see if it works. If it doesn't work, we don't have to be rigid about it. So, I mean, I, I I definitely understand what you're saying that, and I'm not trying to to disregard it completely, but I think it's very 
dangerous to say, oh, we need to listen to these extremes. These people that say we need to ban all guns. You're like, no, we don't need to listen to them. They're not people who are really part, are really trying to have a conversation with us. They're coming from a place that is not a reasoned and rational place. That's a place that is, is not a starting point for a conversation. So, so I'm getting then it's the ecosystem that uh, is part of the problem, like with many other topics. <laughs> well, I'm not even saying that really. Giving, I mean, because giving, giving, giving voice to um, well, amplifying the voice amplifying, of the most yeah, the the voice of some of the more um, extreme, as if they were mainstream. Um, yeah, man. I think um, you know. Look, I got no. This is one of those topics where I got kind of no argument in any direction because I don't have an answer. Period. I, I think that um, you know, like I've said. You know, clearly guns are something that are deeply ingrained in this country's culture and I don't think are going anywhere. Um, but clearly, um, you know, having people do what they've been doing in terms of mass shootings is unacceptable as well. So, Correct. Uh, and, I, yeah. and I agree with you 100% on both of those points. Like, I don't want to see guns disappear, um, but we got to do something. There's a lot of smart people that are paid a lot of money every year to be thinking about these kind of things, you know, like 100, <laughs> 100 of them in the Senate and like 500 and change in the Congress. But they're paid a lot more money from the lobbying industry. So I guess that's where we're, but I, I don't want to. Like, let, that's let's, a good point. Because I think all of them receive more in lobbying compensation than their actual income from a salary. So, well, well, I'm actually gonna. I want to lean into this. Like, how have we gotten to a point? How have we gotten here to this point where we, as a society, seem to be unable to address such an obvious problem? You know, like it's. It, it, this is not something like we we can't say that this isn't a problem. You know, like this is something that is clearly a problem. It's an obvious problem. Anybody can see it. And we are at a point where from a from a dialogue standpoint, from a legislative standpoint, that we just are unable to address this. How, how, did, how did we get here? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think it was, um, you know, look, I think like many other things, right? It's, it's an advance. It's, so you've got culture mixed in with the advance of technology. So... Whether it be, you know, us commenting on, on shows we've done on, on social media and its influence or even like the recent show we did on Prohibition and how the technology of distilling um, spirits, you yeah. know, made, made alcoholic drinks go from, you know, three to nine percent all the way to 40 to 50 yeah. percent. And it just changed the behavior of those men that were drinking at the time and created all kind of other problems in society. And I think that, um, you know, you look at the Second Amendment uh, written uh, December 15th, 1791, um, was the second amendment, um, inserted into, uh, the constitution. Um, you know, back then we had muskets <laughs> the, the best guy could literally reload his weapon in 20 to 30 seconds yeah. with one shot, which was a musket ball. Yeah. So, which went maybe, you know, 50, 80 yards, three so shots my, a minute at best. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So we've gone from that to, you know, guns that shoot a thousand rounds a minute or, or more. And, um, and then the other thing too, to mention is not just the firearm itself, but the accessories. So number one, you know, this kid had 30 round clips. Number two, the amount of Kevlar and, and, and the bulletproof vests and all that and the helmets. Yeah. So apparently there were, um, four armed people that couldn't take him out before he was finally taken out. Yeah. So my point is, is that, you know, the, 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 the gear that he's wearing also gives him more time in the kind of theater of battle, so to speak, to do more harm. Cause and if he that knows first, that going in. And correct, like, yeah. He, so yeah, if that person would have, would have, the first person to shoot would have just taken him out. 
I mean, I don't know at what point of the killing that was at, but maybe some of the kids would have been saved. So, but no, I no, think- no, to your, but you can extend that. And if he yeah. didn't know, if he knew that the first person he saw with it was armed that could take him out, he might not have done it in the first place. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Yo, you so, know what? Uh, man, if I'm only going to, I at best can get to two people and then they're going to shoot me, then maybe that I don't think that that's worth Like, so that changes the calculation across the board. It's a good point, basically. Yeah. So that's my point. Like, that's so what I'm saying is, you know, getting back to the, the answering the question is, you know, part of it, I think, is just the the the, the increase in technology, right? The, the increase of the better the guns are, they fire more, they fire higher capacity rounds and all that. And then the better the defense of bulletproof vests and all that have become. So you're That's saying, part of it. so basically you're saying that the scale and consequence of the problem has ballooned f- faster than we've really kind of appreciated it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think like many other things in our society, right? Yeah. Like that's all I'm saying. That's why I'm equating it to other things. Um, then, then, um, then I think part of it is, you know, there's been legislation that has helped or may not have helped, depending on, I guess, what side of the fence some are sitting on, right? Um, which, which so let's talk about you want to use which statistics. Yeah. Well, no, no, I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> like, like uh, the assault weapons ban, for example. No, of course, um, of course. You know, they were like when we were kids. Remember in the '80s. The guns on the street at the time were, you know, the, the the submachine guns that were like Tech Nines, Uzis, Mac Tens. Remember those kind of yeah. guns? Yeah. And then we don't see them anymore at all. And the reason is because of the assault weapons ban in '94. Yeah. Um, and so and so then the assault weapons ban was removed in 2004. And I would say this: th- there is a correlation between the type of firepower that we're seeing on the street. I'll say it that way, um, and the lifting of the assault weapons ban. And I'm, I'm making a very broad statement here because it's not just about the mass shootings. The lifting of the assault weapons ban, a lot of people don't talk about this, changed the behavior of law enforcement. Yeah. Because it was the first time that law enforcement, and to their you know their credit in a sense, like I'm, I'm a human being, they're human beings. They're scared of the criminals in a different way now because the criminals are better armed than they are generally when they're or showing at least up, can be. Yeah, well, when, when they're showing up on a regular call, right? Like, so a cop might have a 9 millimeter or a forty five at best in their, in, their, in their sidearm, but they might be showing up where a guy's got two fully automatic weapons or a sniper, uh, you know, a fifty cal Barrett sniper rifle. Um, there's, there's just different levels. There's military-style weapons on the street now. And, and so it makes also the job of law enforcement harder and it makes them more on edge, which could also result in some of the altercations we've seen between law enforcement and the community that has nothing to do with mass shootings. So all I'm saying is that the lifting of the assault weapons ban may have created greater negative offshoots in our societal kind of interactions than we are, you know, than just the shootings and just the reintroduction of of a lot of these military grade, so to speak, types of of equipment. And just just for clarity, the assault weapons ban, you know, like you said, it started in 94. It had a built in 10 year sunset provision if it wasn't renewed, basically. So and that was built in at the very beginning. So it wasn't like overturned, so to speak, more so than it was. They just let it expire. Kind of like ta- kind of like they do tax cuts is the way I guess for them to agree. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it's a way we don't like to, this, but to bring it make together. sure it expires and I'll vote for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, no, I, I'm glad you said that though because yeah. actually, it's a way to find a compromise when people need to get together and agree on something. And so, to me, when I look at 
how have we got to this point? I think you raised some valid points. Actually, as as- can I say something real quick? And I'm sorry to interrupt, but this shows me the long arc of activism. Because think about the assault weapons ban was up for potential, maybe could have been saved in 04. Had, had, had um, enough people come out to vote in 2000 where the Florida race wasn't decided by such a small hair. 530-something um, votes. Yeah. Had Al Gore been president, maybe there would have been a different response to the um, sunsetting. Maybe there would have been a bigger push to, um, to, to extend it or to do new legislation around it. So all I'm saying is, and, I, and I'm not here to like pick on George Bush, what I'm saying is the people that are in the street that are all – hot and heavy about guns and, and want to see more regulation, you know, elections matter. Just like the people that are in the street about Roe versus Wade. And they matter because other things come out than just the person's pretty face on the, on the podium. You know, legislation, judges, the people that make decisions about these things ongoing for the long run come out of it. So that's, that's. Well, yeah. I mean, like that's, Something. I mean, like that, that's 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 fine. But I mean, the point I was going to get to actually was more about the idea of uh, like our broken legislative branch. They, they Congress just doesn't really work anymore to to try to address the, the, the needs of society. And we see as a result, Supreme Court's trying to solve all our problems or the executive branch, the president's doing all these executive orders and so forth, which are band-aids at best to the solution or to, to, to what anything. And, but ultimately it really comes at an interesting time because I saw just recently, um, that China is over here, like taunt and in a sense, taunting us that the wording is, is, I don't think that they're, uh, you know, they're not like teasing us like middle schoolers or, you know, something like that, but just that, China is out here talking about how democracies are on the decline and that, uh, you know, like this is going to be the, the 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 century of autocrats and those are going to be what run the world. And the reason that he's given for this is that democracies require require consensus and that takes time. And, you know, like that's just not something that the people around the world these days are able to build, whether that's ecosystem, whatever it is. But that consensus is not something that people are able to come to anymore. And I think this is an, a good example of that where we are letting whatever passions are running the day or teams that we've signed up for put us in a position as a democracy to not be able to come to a consensus on something. Whether it would be you put something in place, put a sunset provision in like they did in 94 to say, okay, all right, fine. I'm not crazy about this, but we let's do something. And then we're going to, if it works, then they'll renew it in the future. And if it doesn't work, it'll automatically expire. Stuff like that. Like, we need to be able to come to the table and compromise and build consensus amongst people about what needs to happen. The compromise doesn't always have to be everybody gets a little bit of what they want. The compromise can be, okay, I get what I want here and we'll talk about what you want over there. Like, There's a lot of ways to compromise. But to me, the reason this that, that, that we're not able to address this and a lot of other things is that we, I mean, I guess correctly diagnosed by China, we don't seem to be able to, to come to consensus on many things. And if we can, the consensus is able to be broken by a very small segment of our population. And that's where we can get into the lobbying, for example. Like there may be, like I've seen study or, or you know, reports, 70, 80% of people are, are 
support a full background check for being able to buy a firearm. Why can't we get that? That's a, that's a consensus. Why can't we get that in? Well, because the lobbying industry for, you know, whether it be the gun uh, industry or whatever, is able to break that consensus, even though they represent maybe 20% of the people. And so that may be something wrong with our system, that a consensus, 80% of the people can want something and 20% or a representative, maybe even less than that, can say, look, we're going to be able to destroy this consensus because it suits our commercial interests or whatever. So to me, I think there are some structural or systemic issues that are happening with, with, with what's happening with our system that seems to be undermining, undermining our ability to identify and address problems. Yeah, man, it's interesting because as you say that, it reminds me of lobbying in general and the concept of kind of paying your way. Uh, to get what you want. And yeah. so, you know, in the end, money talks. And I think that the, the, this is all about just organizing energy to be at the, at the yeah. end of the day. The problem is, is that the people, you know, the people that are um, pro-gun, let's say in this country, are much more organized than the, than the anti-gun or the regulate gun movement. And so, for example, um, I'll read you some stats from 2021. Uh, gun rights groups spent 15.8 million in 2021 compared to just 2.9 million in lobbying from gun control groups. And so far in 2022, in the first quarter, which is January through March 31st, um, gun rights groups have spent $2 million and gun control groups have only spent $609,000. Yeah. So at the end of the day, who are the senators going to listen to? I mean, look. Or at least enough. <clears throat> That's the thing is that yeah. they, they, can, they can pluck enough to look away from the idea that this is something that's very popular and that there is a consensus on this and say, you know what, we'll block it, we'll hold it up because financially it makes sense for me. So, I mean, that to me, that shows you that, to your point, better organization can allow you to break consensus uh, that, that may exist in society and, and more money. You know, but it's it's not like they're saying, okay, well, you know, it's it's fifty five forty five. You know, come on, man. You know, like we're what is yeah. here? It's like, you know, we we want to you to take a very unpopular position, but we'll make it worth your while financially, and it's working. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of these things, you know, it it comes together, and and you kind of gotta be prepared to hear what I'm gonna say, right? Like, there's a lot of things that come together. You've identified this, the fact that you know we have a, a representative system which um, rewards land more than population. So the fact that, you know, California and New York have, you know, probably roughly 30% of this nation's population in terms of numbers of people, but have only four senators uh, combined, you know, between both states, where North and South Dakota have less than 1 million people combined, um, so less than 1% of this, this country's population and have the same four representatives in, in the Senate. So to your point, you can have much fewer people um, being represented by the same amount of politicians, uh, you know, having an outsized voice in the legislature when it comes to voicing, uh, you know, whether pro or uh, not for uh, regulation of, of firearms and, and things around them. And, and so just to um, piggyback on that as well, yeah. and the needs of those states may be yeah. vastly, even though it's much less people, and because it's much less people, the issues may be less pressing there. And so it's easier for you know you to get a senator there and say, look, man, nobody in, nobody in your state's really affected by this. 
You know, yeah. like no, and that's that's a fair point because where you have less density, you probably have less shootings, right? Yeah, just yeah. have less people running into each other, less people having less issues and arguments. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, you know, we, we I, were pitching I, this offline, and we were talking about what was it Mumbai, India? Yeah. Like man, I don't know how they 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 those people, that population density. Would you say eight hundred thousand? Eight hundred thousand per <laughs> square mile <laughs> in Mumbai, India. So imagine if each of them had a firearm, what it would look like. <laughs> no. Man, imagine if each of them had a a, a, a baseball bat. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, nah, but that's what I'm saying, and and I think that's why it's it's th- that's why this is complex because these are all fair um, additions to the conversation. Let me yeah, put it that way. Yeah. Not even an argument. It's just facts, right? Like, yeah, it's a fact that almost a third of this country is represented by the same amount of senators as you know one percent of this country, yeah. um, and it's also f- fair discussion that yeah that one percent has a much different life and relationship to firearms most likely because they're rural than the third that's in these urban and dense settings and their relationships to firearms and how they feel about it so yeah, you know that's why that's, I, that's the example for uh, uh, like for example that's an example of a good faith like kind of issue that we'd have to resolve that we'd have to work through because well that that's, that's why not anybody being crazy or unreasonable just to point that out well, that's why I said at the earlier in this conversation that, you know, for this to actually move at all, um, people are just going to have to be willing to actually listen to each other and stop coming to these conversations already loaded with their own stuff and whatever they're coming to, you know, already baked into whatever argument they, they want to have with someone. They just need to hear someone else's side and reasoning why, have a little bit of empathy about it and make a decision. You know, can I see myself compromising on this or that? And or I, horse, I mean, again, about it that, could be compromise or horse trade, you know, which is still a compromise. Like, hey, you know, yeah, okay, well, but we'll that's do what this, I'm saying. Like, yeah. uh, unless you're totally irrational and totally baked in on one of these uh, the fringes, which I think is uh, a minority of people. Correct. I think the majority of people recognize this is complex and are willing to play the spectrum game and say, okay, I can take a little bit of this if you can give me a little bit of this. Um, and that's kind of what I'm saying is that the conversation needs to be amongst those people. Yeah, and yeah. A lot of times I think we allow the 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 60 or 70 percent of reasonable people allow the 20, 15, 10 percent at a on a fringe to kind of guide them or or to to feel like they have to stay with them and not get in with the the people who just want fair and reasonable government and not like, oh, we need to have that's because there's no uh, what do you call it? I'm I'm totally losing my. uh, saying here what was that courage not courage under fire there's some other saying for great leaders uh anyway there's well, no, none of that well but there's one other thing i want to do before we move <laughs> off of this um and that is and you we had talked about this on offline and just the comparison with the firearm industry to the fossil fuel industry and and how it evidences this ability for an interest group to be able to prevent of to to, to block consensus on something where by and large Many people can come together and agree on the the vast majority of the the, the major points. And so, like we were talking about the the gun issue, like the specific things that need to be done. I'm open to to hearing all types of ideas. You know, like I'm you know, like I don't have I'm not banging the table for any one thing on that. Uh, I just think that we need to start doing something. You know, like just, let's make a step. Let's start with something. But ultimately, the the, the being able to look at it like that, it's amazing to me how like with fossil fuel industry 
or with the gun industry that they can take where 60 or 70 or 80% of people will say, yeah, 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 we can try to do this or we can try to be better here. But if it works against their bottom line, then they're able to, to block the consensus on that and block any kind of motion. And I mean, ultimately that gets into the power of money and so forth in our political system. But I bring it up here not to even demonize them. I mean, they're playing within the rules of the system of the game, so to speak, but just to point it out as something that, hey, well, if, if this is how we not how we want our system to work, then we may need to put an eye on how to avoid this, whether it be the power of antitrust and we can't have too few players in these industries or at least a threat for that. Like, hey, it can't just be five oil big, big companies here or five, you know, big manufacturers here. Like, we're gonna break you guys up. We're gonna turn you into 25. And then we'll see if you guys are all aligned and all are gonna put all your, your eggs in the basket together again. Or if some of you will then become more reasonable and say, hey, yeah, yeah, we can do this, we can do that. And so ultimately, I mean, it, it, I think that's part of diagnosing. What the holdup here? What the, the problem? And so I, I, we, everything needs to be on the table. Again, I'm not coming with the specifics that need to happen, more so saying that we need to put some things on the table and we need to try some things uh, and just miss me with all the 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 extremes. You know, yeah. like I'm not like, let's let's try something incremental. Let's try to do let's do something because we can't keep letting these things happen. And then we just do nothing. Yeah, I think the problem, though, is that the media ecosystems and where money flows to people, unfortunately, uh, 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 rewards the extreme voices yeah. Yeah, on, yeah. On, in our ecosystem. And, you know, there was a senator who did a show a couple months ago with a with a cable news talk host who's, who's well-known and famous and, you know, not getting into the details. But remember, it was on a different topic. It was about January 6th and the definition of who could be called a terrorist. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, I remember. And the senator came in strong saying, no, those people were terrorists. If I'm going to call other people terrorists. And he was forced to change within 10 seconds his definition of who was allowed to be called a terrorist in this country and who wasn't. Yeah. And the I host think that correct. Correct. The host did the not host, allow him to proceed. Correct. With saying that and the he, people who engaged in January 6th were, were terrorists. They like those kind of people can't be terrorists is what the host basically yeah. put his foot so, down. And so my point is, is that the fact that the senator bent and then agreed, you know, kind of put his head down like the way my chocolate lab does when he's in trouble. <laughs> and, um, and, 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 and basically that's when I knew I was like, all right, the tail's wagging a dog here. The, the, the most extreme fringy voices will force the politicians into certain directions. And that's the problem here is that right now we don't need, the politicians need to have courage and be leaders and, you know, there, there's two things I'll, I'll, I'll say here. There's something I read and there's a headline says, don't mistake victims of gun violence for experts on gun control. And I thought that's a really good one because we all as human beings, you know, not all of us, right? They're sociopaths and psychopaths, but I'd say the majority of people do feel empathy for anybody who's lost a family member in this way. Um, and when we see them on TV talking about what should be done and what shouldn't be done, you know, they're not experts. Um, so I think those who would like to see gun control enforced a bit more need to remember that and just just you know continue to look at law enforcement and and, and people that understand firearms and, and safety and things like that and then um and then I think the other is is um you know th those who are so hell-bent on you know there should be no regulation on guns or anything like that also need to listen and uh, to to the conversations because I think a lot of people have mixed up gun rights with like gun commerce you know, the right to, like you said, James, the right to bear arms, there, there's still a definition of that, right? 
versus should I be able to buy 500 rounds in one shot online? Or should I be able to buy Kevlar vests or uh, bump stocks or whatever else accessories that can make these guns more dangerous? My point is, is that that second part I'm saying is about the commerce of guns and the things around guns. Yeah. Versus the actual right of someone to do something, right? Like I have a right to drive a car, but I have a license and I have to go through some hoops to get one. Yeah. Um, and then I have to be competent while I have it, right? Or else I get my license taken away or I get points on my license. So there's there's other, just like we have a right to vote unless you're a felon in most many states, right? I mean, there's 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 rights well, that we have. I think that, the free speech one is the best one to illustrate it though. Like again, yeah. like the, the, the second amendment says you have a right to keep and bear arms. The first amendment says you have the right to, to free speech, but you can be prosecuted for speech if you go into a crowded room and yell fire. And that is because like, so the free, the right to free speech is not endless and the right to bear arms isn't endless. It's up to our legislature. When they did the assault weapons ban in 94, that did not get struck down as violating the second amendment. And so all I'm saying with that is that that's to, to me, if you're going to, to, to fashion yourself as a knowledgeable person and knowledgeable person citing the constitution, you, you, you need to come from a little bit better place of, oh, well, the second amendment says you can't do anything. Like, no, that's not what the second amendment says. You know, no more so than the First Amendment says that you 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 can you're allowed to yell fire in a crowded theater and nothing. The government can't do anything about it. Like so we have to come from places and that can can also a lot of times. And that's where, you know, people who may may know a little about something become very, very adamant about the little that they know and not know <laughs> and, and not be able to to fully explain all of the implications of that and therefore lack the appreciation of the nuance. But. That near here nor there. I do want to move on to our second topic. Uh, you know, and the second topic is one that you know you and I like. You and I always, when we see these workout things, it'd be something that we'll pass back and forth every now and again, or you know, just health. You know, pass back and forth. And this this one about sweat was very interesting to me. Um, and so, but what stood out to you, just as far as the, the the health benefits and what's in your sweat and how it works and all that, what what, what stood out to you in that? <laughs> what's in my sweat? We don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, especially it's Memorial Day weekend as we're recording this. Whatever toxins, just just know that it was um, healthy because it was rye or wheat based. Oh, yeah. right there you go. There you go. <laughs> the um, no, it's interesting. One one of the funny things I got, I was telling my wife this, that we have different um, types of sweat glands around our bodies. So the the normal perspiration obviously is. Uh, helps to cool us down, but yeah, yeah which have, is the baseline function of, of sweating is, is to, but, cool, our, like, but the specifically the glands within our armpits and our crotch yeah. for lack of a eloquent term, um, secrete, uh, certain fats and amino acids that bacteria love to eat. Yes. And so our body odor is the result of their, uh, eating it. So it's kind of them farting is, Yes. Why we stink. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was very interesting. That that was that was my gem of learning from this. <laughs> that was what you got out of I've it. I've got I've got I've got crotch <laughs> I've got crotch bacteria that farts after it eats my sweat. Uh, That's yeah, basically it, it I was turns, like, okay. Turns your sweat or the things in your sweat to smelly stuff. But it's yeah. funny because it's like each of us have our own BO, so it's like there are our little 
Yeah, it's our like, our combination. Our, our, our combination. little our little Ramoras like on the shark, you know? Like yeah. so <laughs> Well no, I mean and it was ours and then of course, I mean I guess if you if you rub armpits together or more realistically, if you rub, you know, other parts of your body together, you yeah. know, like they, there can be cross pollination there. But either way, I, that wasn't where I thought. By you yourself were going with or this. with someone else? That's my question. <laughs> with someone else. With someone else. Oh, okay. I'm but just checking. That wasn't where I'm I thought. I'm trying to see how acrobatic you were. That's all. No, no, no. I thought, now, it, 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 again, it gets into the basics, which most people know the basics is about sweat as far as your body sweats in order to cool down. That's one of the ways it maintains. Your body's always maintaining its temperature. You know, somewhere between what ninety seven, ninety nine, and that range, and it you're doing stuff that you're either moving, you're either in hot, you're in the cold, and so your body has these mechanisms to maintain the temperature. And so, but when you're working out, you'll sweat more. Like you, you can sweat. Like you were pointing out, those two areas, the the underarms and the the, the crotch, those aren't necessarily as directly tied to exercise and, and moving as far as sweat. Like they, you, those can sweat at any point, but the moving sweat, like you said, the glands that are all over to cool off. It was fascinating to me about that, not just in terms of it being a way to that, that, that your body can get rid of toxins and impurities and stuff, but that the better shape in shape you are, the more fit you are, not only the more you can sweat because your body's more efficient at cooling down, it's used to it. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we know what we're about to do here. Let's keep cool where it's, it's a well-oiled machine, so to speak, the sweating stuff. But also that if you if you're like. If you're about to work out in your mind, you know you're about to work out or you're doing things where you're about to work out, people whose body you know are used to working out, your body will start sweating in advance. <laughs> like that just blew my mind. Like, what? So your body's like, okay, yeah, yeah, we're about, we're about to go down. Let's, let's, let's get it going. And I mean, you think about it, it makes sense. Your body does. I could think of several things that your body yeah, does say. when you know you're about too. to do something. I, I mean, G-rated. It can be you know, your mouth can water when you're, when you're holding up a piece of food that you're about to eat. So, there, But there are a lot of things your body can do in anticipation of things. So it's just interesting to me that sweat is one of them, you know, because a lot of times where people would identify that more so is like if you get nervous and you start sweating, you know, like people will have more recollection of that. But I didn't, I've never paid attention to the, the idea of before I work out, I'll, I may start sweating in advance. Like, I, I don't know, but Hey, maybe I'm not, maybe my body's not a well-oiled machine. Maybe it's not doing it yet. Yeah, man. Um, no, it's probably well-oiled. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Cause one of the things I learned too, is it, it reminded me of how you hear about most people are dehydrated mm-hmm. and seeing this stat is probably true. Cause I know a lot of people don't drink water, but, um, maximum sweat rates for an adult can be up to two to four liters per hour or mm-hmm. 10 to 14 liters per day. So, you know, and I'm assuming, right, let's, you know, that's not Idaho in the middle of the winter when you're outside, right? Yeah. So, but but for most people that live in, live in a moderate to, to warmer climate, you know, just walking around during the day, you sweat a lot and you don't realize it. And that's what I mean by a lot of people being dehydrated, that your body needs to cool down this way. Uh, we should all just be conscious of replenishing with, with, uh, you know, water and other, other good liquids. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that was interesting, cause I just confirmed it in some of the reading. Um, cause I want to read a little bit more stuff cause I was interested. I always heard that humans are one of the few living creatures that actually sweat. Mm-hmm. And for anyone that's on a dog or certain other animals, you know, that they don't sweat, they pant, they do other things. Um, so the only two mammals that actually sweat in large amounts in order to cool down because some some other mammals do sweat but not much at all um they still cool down through other mechanisms uh are humans and horses 
Mm. Found that interesting. Really? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah, horses. Because I thought humans, because we generally aren't that hairy. But then that's when I, you know, horses of, you know, they have uh, fur all around. So, mm-hmm. so, um, so just interesting. I just found that yeah. interesting too of why we evolved and horses to do it, but others haven't. And the other thing I found is um, early humans in some of the things I've learned, uh, like in the plains of Africa, the ability to run and tire out your prey because um, gazelles and antelopes and certain um, of those type of animals, because they can't sweat, what happens is humans were able to outrun them into having a heat stroke and yeah. they would just die. And then, you know, and or at like least that. just so, not, you'd be incapacitate them. Maybe yeah, your top speed wasn't them as high. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just interesting yeah, that, that, that the ability to sweat and, and, and allowed us to run long distances like marathons. And then that allowed us to survive early on in the hunter gatherer experience. So, you know, it was an evolutionary uh, adaptation in a sense. Yeah. yeah. Now, well, now someone's got to explain why horses get to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, I'll say one other thing, just anecdotally, why this stood out to me in the first place is because one thing during the pandemic, I started working out outdoors. Like I started, you know, lifting weights even. And, you know, like my exercise, I, I took it from c- temperature controlled gym to initially the gyms were closed. So I put stuff in my garage and started working out in there and I just used fans. And so, and what I realized at that moment is that I felt better after working out when I sweat a lot. Cause I'm in, you know, I'm, we live in South Florida and you know, like you work out, it doesn't matter how many fans you have, what you're doing, but if you work out outside, it's going to be hot. You're going to sweat. And so, and I felt better than I would sweat more than I would in, you know, the gym at 68 degrees or whatever. And so I was just like, oh, well, I just kept doing it, you know, but seeing this, you understand why though, you understand why, how that's just part of your body cycle and, you know, what you're getting out the toxins and how it's, it's just good for you in so many ways. And, you know, and then I've noticed like, just when I've been over your house before you have, you know, your workout set up in the garage as well. And it's like, huh, yeah. I, I wonder if Tune Day is paying, is, 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 <laughs> is, is, is working out knowing that, you know, like getting that sweat up and everything like that or not, if, if, or if it was just happenstance. But for me, like I said, it was happenstance, but now it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, that, that is helping me out in a way that I feel it. But now I know like for sure what it was. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's interesting, man. The, um, the, <laughs> I don't have much more on this topic. It's just funny. Cause I also was thinking as we were reading, like, it's funny how sweat is such a natural part of us mm-hmm. as human beings being alive, but it's it's one of the main things that we spend so much time trying to cover up. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, seriously, like deodorant, no, our body you. odor, perfume, yeah. all that. And then, and, and, you know, like you say, we live in South Florida, you know, in the summer, it's hot. You go take out the trash, you're sweating, you're trying to immediately go back in some air-conditioned yeah. situation. And... um and I'm not complaining about it. I just find it interesting that something that is such a big part of our us and that we can't stop, you know, yeah. we're constantly trying to stop. And it also got me thinking that I wonder really, and this is going to sound funny, but I mean it seriously, like what it must have been like to be alive more than 100 years ago when everybody just smelled natural, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about just... I mean, we talk about like the, the the part one of today's show. We talk about rural versus urban, right? Yeah. yeah. It's one thing if you're rural, but imagine being like in New York City or something in 1880 or some year. Well, <laughs> just hot in the summer or Chicago, just, just hot. hot. Yeah, 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 just and hot. everybody's in buildings and they're all just sweating you know, indoors. Well, I see, mean, but, but just- that's part of the thing, though, is that these urban places, like they got more populated as technology got better to be able to keep 
people cool in smaller spaces, though. Like Florida's the South Florida is the extreme of that. Like South Florida is an outpost until really air conditioning. Becomes yeah, until like the 1940s popular. or 50s. Yeah, yeah. like until yeah. air conditioning becomes something that is easily readily attainable. Yeah. It was like very few people living down here, unless you're like Key West, where it's just a breeze all the time. But like even those big cities, like those cities are growing you know, leaps and bounds once you start getting electricity. Like you might not have air conditioning, but you have fans and stuff like that once you have electricity. So it wasn't just a like it, they they weren't 20 million people in Metro New York City at that yeah. time. You know, like so, but yeah, I definitely it's it's interesting that the the familiarity, I can say, that our, you know, our our ancestors 100, 200, whatever years ago would have had with everybody's odor. Cause I'm sure like we can recognize people by sight. People probably can recognize people no, by smell. That's what I was just going to say. We did a show recently that talked about um, how uh, people, like females, can smell different things in men. And they can, they like female humans can smell if a man is healthy or not and all that under natural circumstances. Now, I don't know if. Many and, women. This are, is, I think from that, it, it, this is happening in the unconscious part of their minds, though. It's not like thing. they smell so, like, oh, he smells. But, I, I, but remember, I was joking about how it probably messed up the last hundred years or so, messed up all human kind of evolution and reproduction because I'm sure subconsciously women used that to suss out which men were strong, which one were weak from a genetic standpoint yeah. for yeah, procreation. Yeah. And yeah. with all this deodorant and all that, women, you know, men can, <laughs> fool, can unintentionally fool. Fool, fool women, you know, putting some nice. <laughs> You know, it nice, gave the nice, weak genetic man a chance. Yeah. What was that one when we were teenagers, Dracar and Noir? That that nice perfume? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think we can wrap it from there, man. I, but no, that's a good point, though. It's a good point. I mean, it... Oh, the toilette, you know. Yeah, just make turn sure the world that upside down. <laughs> so, um, but no, we, we appreciate everybody for joining us on this episode of Call It Like I See It. Subscribe to the podcast, rate it, review us, tell us what you think, uh, send it to a friend. And until next time, I'm James Keys. I'm Tunde Golana. All right. We'll talk to you next time.